You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Ordinary. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we have a guest that I actually went and tracked down because I think the topic is so timely and important. We have my new friend, Rich Mandler, with us. And Rich owns the company PassportVisaExpress.com. And we are going to talk about all things travel today as we're starting to see international travel open back up. We're going to talk about what that means. And My story of getting to meet Rich is that there was a time my family was about to go on a trip. I think we were maybe three weeks out and I happened to look at our passports and I realized my passport's fine. My wife's passport's fine. Oh no, my kids' passports are not fine and we are in big trouble. We're going to have to cancel this entire trip. So I did what everyone does in that moment. They get online and they start Googling and I just happened to Google the right place. I saw outstanding reviews, went to PassportVisaExpress.com, got in touch with my hero, somebody (laughs) on Rich's team named Carla. Carla took such good care of our family. I have now sent dozens of people their way to help them when they're needing help with their passports, visas, et cetera. And so I finally went to Carla and said, hey, Carla, you got to introduce me to the owner of your company because I got to have him on my show because people are wanting to travel internationally and it's kind of a mess right now. And we need to talk to somebody that can help us navigate through that. So it's a very different show today. Rich is coming both as a business owner. So that part fits kind of our normal theme, but we're a little off topic into this aspect of all things international travel. So Rich, thank you so much for your willingness to actually come on the show. We didn't know each other at all. And I'm beating down your door saying, man, I need you to come on our podcast. And you've been gracious enough to join me today. So thank Thanks, man. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation. And we talked a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago, and it was great to get uh, meet you over the phone and see what you're all about. I'm sure, like a lot of your guests, I had some trepidation about doing a podcast and you know seeing myself and hearing myself. But uh, it's all good. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm grateful for it, and I'm excited to talk about the company and maybe hopefully impart some knowledge about what's going on and, and what people can do when they find themselves and predicaments like your family. And, you know, hopefully we can help get you out of that. But yeah, and a shout out to Carla. She is fantastic. She is the nuts and bolts of the company. The hero, the unsung hero, not not just unsung. She's my family's hero. I've, I've told so many people about Carla. So Carla, when you hear this episode, you are our family's hero. And I know other families that I've sent your way that you are their hero. So thank you for everything you do. And Rich, you know, one of the things I ask before we start going live with any show is how do you want to be introduced? You have the best answer yet. I absolutely love it. I said (laughs) I was going to share it, but I loved it. You said, you know, I've really been defining myself lately by not defining myself. (laughs) And I thought that was just awesome, uh, especially in the day and age that we live just what a great answer. So, and Rich, I know you didn't start out saying in life, you know, when I grow up, I really want to own an international travel boutique (laughs) firm that does this crazy work for people who need to get their passports and visas all tightened up. So how did you 
go from wherever you started to arriving at that destination? Walk us through your story. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I guess I, you know, it just sort of it just unfolded almost. Uh, no, I wouldn't say organically, but uh, I just I found myself in a position where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I graduated high school and I wasn't the best student. Actually, I was a good student when I wanted to be, but usually that wasn't very often. And I got to college and I, I began to sort of take on responsibility and accountability for my own education. And I, just, you know, I took obviously courses that I was interested in, and then I. You know, I did really well in school, but I figured out that what I really needed to do while I was there was to learn how to learn. And that's, you know, problem solve and critical think. And I took a ton of courses. And I think it was probably late in my junior year where I, I was sort of looking at having to declare a major. And, and I was like, I have no idea. I'd studied so many different things. And, and when I looked at the uh, at all the coursework I had taken, I realized that I had an overwhelming number of credits in English Lit. So that became my default major. So I graduated with a degree in English Lit. And then I was listening to a podcast with and Jason Baker last week. And he said that he grew up like you in a state that hurts your face. And I went to school at the University of Buffalo and my face was hurt for <laughs> a few years. Yeah. And in that cold weather, you know, my wife always asked me, you know, some sometime in February every year, why do we live in a state where our face hurts? 100%. Like, why? And, <laughs> you know, for us, it's the family. But you took a yeah. different approach. You actually went somewhere warm for a while. Yeah. So I grew up on Long Island and I'd, I'd come home and I'd work odd jobs or whatever, lifeguard, waiter, busboy, whatever. And a friend of mine, his father had worked for Pan Am. It's now a defunct airline years ago. And you know, they had the buddy pass the family. Dad would, would be able to take his, his uh, family wherever they wanted to go. They just had to go on standby or whatever. And he had gone out to Hawaii a couple of times through high school, and he told us how cool it was and everything. So it's my buddy Ray. So when he went to the University of Buffalo with me, we were roommates as well. And that summer, we were like, well, you know, what are you going to do? What, do? what am I going to do? Let's go someplace warm and get out of here and, you know, just go hang out for a little bit and decompress after after college and then see where things shake out. So we actually, and I know I didn't mention this to you, we bought tickets to Maui from Los Angeles, but we didn't have a flight to Los Angeles. So, <laughs> and I don't know what the age of your listeners is going to be or, or, and I'm not certainly like not advocating this, but we hitchhiked basically from Towson, Maryland, well, most of the way across the United States. <laughs> That's another podcast in itself. Uh, I don't recommend it, <laughs> but we made it. It took us three weeks to get to about Dallas, and then we had to actually fly out because our flight was like the next day. Found ourselves out in Hawaii, and I was kicking around out there, you know, surfing, and learned how to dive, and yeah, I just I love the lifestyle. But back this was back in the mid '90s, and you know there were no cell phones, and the, the newspaper came out at two o'clock in the afternoon, and it was a seven pages deep. <laughs> you know, there was not a whole lot to think about. There's nothing intellectual out there. I think I read every book in the public library. <laughs> and it was a brain drain. I had uh, island fever, as they call it. Which island were you on? Or were you island hopping? How was this working? Yeah, well, the islands are clustered so close together that you could actually just take a ferry in 25, 30 minutes to a couple of the, the neighboring islands. I was on the island of Maui living in the town of Lahaina on the west side. That is my wife's favorite city in the yeah. world. We yeah. love walking down the street. You know, listeners, Hawaii is just one of our favorite places on earth, but Lahaina has a very special place in our hearts. It's just such an incredible town to just walk down the street. And they're just the most incredible restaurants and shops everywhere you turn. It's just a new adventure. It's fantastic. So sorry to interrupt, Rich, but had to throw that in. Little shout out to my wife. 
Yeah, certainly. I couldn't agree more. I, I love Lahaina. I, I'm actually partial to the Upper West Side, sort of like the Nepali area for folks that might know that. It's pretty difficult to live out there and, you know, unless you've got some inns and you know some people and I've got some friends and, and family really that live out there. So it, it certainly makes, uh, and I go back every year for a couple of months and it, it makes my extended stays super fun. Get to visit with my Maui Ohana, as we call it. But anyway, does it go back to what you were saying? I met my wife in Lahaina. I was working as a, uh, I went from like a busboy to a waiter and then I was like, this is boring. So then I learned how to cook. So I became, a, and I, I wouldn't even call myself a chef. I just leave it at cook. So I was a cook. I was managing in the morning a restaurant and she was a waitress and I was big into running and triathlon or whatever. And we decided to go for a run and one thing led to another. And then I was leaving the island and she was leaving to go back to grad school. So we ended up coming back east where she went to school. And I took a, an odd job with a friend's neighbor who was starting a company, you know, same type of service that I'm involved now. And I sort of hit the ground running. I, it became interesting. You know, I went to visit all the embassies. I got to know people. You know, it was an awesome cultural awakening for, you know, there's more than America and things just on a, you know, a tiny island. You know, we used to go to soccer games with people from the embassy staffs so and meet people from Cameroon and Russia and just all over the country. And it was really cool. And I, I loved what I was doing. And I was eventually hanging that up and going out to Korea to teach English with my wife and my father-in-law, who's now passed away, I said, well, why don't you, you know, start a company of your own and just run it for a year and, uh, you know, see where it goes. At the time, it wasn't a huge amount of money to start it up. I borrowed a couple of bucks from him and paid it all back. And it just, it took off. This is when the internet was starting to get going. And I, I knew that there was a way to merge technology with this paper, static paper application process to be able to track everything. And that was sort of the genesis of how the company got started. Is the company actually legally called PassportVisaExpress.com? It is actually called PassportVisaExpress.com. But we also, the other name is add an S to visas. So we've had to grab onto that for a lot of different reasons. But the reason that we did that, you know, founded the company in, in 99 when uh, we were still using the yellow pages. <laughs> and when you're starting a company, you know, as you and I'm sure your listeners probably know. I mean, you know, you're looking to rub everything you can out of two nickels. I was the accountant. I was the customer service dude. I was a courier. I was, you know, just everything. I was a CEO. And the cook. And the cook. <laughs> and the cook, right. So I figured out a way to kind of get around having to pay for a greater space within the Yellow Pages guidebook. You know, they would charge by literally, it was a quarter inch, inch. You know, you just pay yearly based on the space that you wanted to use. So I just plugged in the name of the company as PasswordBeExpress.com. So it, it was a way for us to get people to come to our website without actually paying money to use more space in the pages. <laughs> so that's why the name is what it is. I've tried to shorten it over the years, but it's, it's been out there for so long. I, you can't break a good brand. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, and Rich, I heard you mention that the company is actually called Passport Visa Express and Passport Visas Express. How did that happen? Was this like trying to protect your online presence? Like, how did this come about? Yeah, that was exactly it. We had a company that we worked with who was basically a partner of ours. They would funnel applications to us for processing because they were in a jurisdiction where they didn't have access to, you know, let's say the Chinese embassy. And what happened to them is they had a, a very simplistic website name and somebody, you know, unbeknownst to the actual owners of the company that was our partner had purchased all the rights to a domain with a very similar name, hoping that people would, you know, either spell the name incorrectly of the company 
or you know make a mistake and somehow and then find them and they were seeing that some of their business was being diverted by this company who had a very similar name who had done that you know strategically to draw business away from the company and once we figured that out I went out and I, I tried to to purchase as many you know similar names to to ours as possible to protect us in that way so the things that you'd never think of smart yeah it's it is and still remains the wild west on the internet you don't know until you know and sometimes that's too late you know, and sometimes you're okay, but yeah, that was that was where that came from. Well, let's talk a little more in depth about the business, sure. and you know, so what are the main services that you actually provide? Our core services are passport and visa services. So we assist people in obtaining visas and passports to travel internationally. A passport is it's your identity and your citizenship. It's sort of like a birth certificate that also includes your nationality, and it's recognized around the world. A visa is advanced approval to enter a foreign country. It's a stamp, essentially, that's affixed on a blank page in your passport. Now, that's traditionally. There are also now countries are going to more and more an electronic-based visa system. You still need to use the passport, but visas are being issued electronically, and it's more or less a receipt that, I mean, if you're smart, you'd print it and bring it with you, but it automatically connects your passport uh, to an electronic visa and then that's how you uh, gain entry into a foreign country. Now, I say it's advanced approval. It doesn't mean once you get there, you can enter the country. They can refuse you at, at any point. It doesn't happen often at all, but it, it is uh, it's certainly, um, it's no guarantee. You get a cranky customs official, they send you home. It's, <laughs> I've seen it happen, but it's not, it's not common. But those are the two main differences between a passport and a visa. A passport identifies who you are and your nationality, and a visa is saying, yes, I went to the embassy and I have advanced approval to enter your country. And listeners, please, please, please listen to this part. Some of you already know this. I did not. Rich's business educated me on this part. Rich, this blows my mind. Passports don't actually expire on their expiration date for all intents and purposes. They actually expire sooner than that. That makes absolutely no sense to me as just a you know, a very amateur traveler, but I learned that from your company and it saved my bacon and it has saved dozens of people that I've now referred over to your company. And by the way, listeners, in full disclosure, Rich and I have no financial relationship. So there's no, you know, I don't get referral fees. I don't want them. I just think their company does incredible work. So, you know, Rich, tell us why is it that passports don't actually effectively expire on what looks like their expiration date? Again, it's one of those things that, that you don't know until you know. A little bit of background on that. Your, your passport, it is technically valid, most people. Some have limited validity. But the validity of a passport is, for most people, 10 years. Now, what Tommy's referring to is there's sort of like a six-month and a three-month, and there's actually a 30-day, I'll call it a rule that some countries will put into place. By that, I mean, if you're going to say... If you're going to go to a country in the Caribbean, they want to make sure that your passport has uh, greater than 60 days validity. Because what happens is if you go there on a passport with less and you, over, you, know, you stay beyond 60 days, you're effectively in their country with an expired passport and therefore really have, I wouldn't say no way to get back to the United States, but you, know, you have to go to the embassy and renew your passport and extend the validity. And it's a headache. So the countries that have these rules in place don't want to take responsibility for you being in their country when you're on an expired passport. So six months is really a great rule of thumb. You should consider your passport expired 
six months prior to its actual expiration date. And you should renew it because most countries will not allow you to enter with a password that's expiring in less than six months. So listeners, here's your takeaway from today. I want every single one of you to go take out your passport, look at it, and put a date in your calendar a year before expiration to start working on getting your passport renewed so that you can get it renewed and all set. And absolutely, I recommend you do that through Rich's business, but you can get it renewed and all set before you hit that six months window before your expiration date. And after I learned about this from Rich's company, I actually had this happen to a good friend of mine. He was traveling internationally and did the first leg of his trip And then he's in the airport trying to go to the next part of his trip and they wouldn't let him fly. They wouldn't let him go. And it was a really important meeting that he needed to be at. It was just an absolute disaster. And it was all because his passport did not say it was expired, but he was within this six month window. And that particular country said, we don't want you coming here if your passport is going to expire in less than six months. Yeah, and it's on the traveler too, so it's uh, it can be uh, quite a financial burden. I mean, they usually put you on the next flight back at you know whatever that costs. It's usually not cheap. So yeah, we actually have a uh, there's a um, you can opt in for us to send a reminder to you if you use our service and we work to assist you in, in obtaining a new passport. You can actually opt into a program where we have a notification system. So we'll send you a reminder a year before it expires and six months before you expire. So that's a, a nice little. Um, value add to kind of keep people who are super busy. I know your audience is, you know, in the know of what's going on with their travel documents. Because often, like you said, I mean, it's your passport is someplace that you don't really even most times remember where it is. And then you scramble to find it. And then, you know, you try to figure out, okay, well, is it still valid? And if it's not, especially given today's climate with the State Department not having returned even a fraction of their staff back to the uh, the passport agencies, there's a backlog, like you just, it's months. It's slowly, slowly coming down. But now with the, the heavy travel season coming out of spring and summer, it's going back up. So these the times it takes now to actually process your passport are not what they used to be. But the average person, you're looking at months, honestly. I mean that, you know, hmm. six, five, six, seven weeks is not unheard of and beyond. So, Rich, I really want to have you speak to what has changed in international travel as a result of COVID. And then what do you see as kind of, okay, these were the temporary things versus these are the long-term things that may be here to stay for quite a while? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I'll go back to something that uh, I said earlier, I mentioned earlier about electronic visas. We're seeing more and more countries go to an electronic-based visa. Now, it's still an application process where we actually will assist people in doing it too. But the applicant will go to you know a country's website and complete the application, upload a bunch of documents, usually a photo, itinerary, things like that. Depends on the type of visa that you're applying for too. You know, pay a consular fee or an application fee. That's actually something that people get confused about too. Even if you get rejected, you still have to pay the application fee. You're just you know, you're paying them an application fee for the privilege to have your application reviewed is what that is. They're non-refundable. But the electronic visa is where most countries are going. And I think your comments about COVID, I think that in large part, some of them are deciding to do this because they don't want hundreds of people queued up at the embassy or the consulate, you know, applying for visas. It's better off if they push people away electronically. It, it obviously has benefits of, of uh, saving them overhead on staff, 
right? And if you don't have a ton of staff, then you don't have to rent a huge office in, say, downtown Washington, D.C. or New York or Los Angeles. So we are starting to see more and more of that. Some countries having come back, China being the biggest one, that by far more visas are issued for China than probably any other country in, in the world. And you, you could imagine why all the commerce and also they have a huge population. So they're coming to us, we're going to them. It's the whole world is basically connected through China these days, it seems. And Russia was second behind them, but we all know with the fallout and the, the horrific tragedy that is Ukraine right now. You know, those two countries, I hope, especially for Russia, that they'll get their act together and, and we'll figure out a solution so that everybody can get back to being citizens of the world. But I think they'll always have a visa system in place. And, and I do believe they're going to go electronic at some point, too. So that is the future of visas, I, I believe, will go electronic. Now, U.S. passports, there's been talk, uh, and I've read articles that say the State Department is going to go to a, an online-based renewal system for passports. I have not seen it. And you know, up to right now, it's only been a rumor. So more technology put into place to get people to apply online and process things online is coming. And first, there's obviously a concern for me. Well, you know, well, what am I going to do? There's still a huge opportunity for us to get involved because the learning curve is so steep. Just trying to understand the difference between a visa and a passport. And then once you know, okay, well, how do I get the visa that I need? What type of visa is it? How long are you going? Where are you going? Um, so that's that's where we come in. And that's, that's sort of where I see things going. More IT-based application processes. Hopefully, that'll speed things up and allow people to travel a little bit more seamlessly than in the past and speed up the waste. But we'll have to wait and see on that once embassies start to come back and the State Department, again, opens up and begins processing the backlog of, of applications they've got to get through. And Rich, in my case, you know, I looked at my kids' passports. I saw they were expired mm -hmm. and now I'm in a state of an emergency. Yeah. Like, oh man, I got to cancel this trip if I don't get these things taken care of mm -hmm. ASAP. And you guys, it was incredible. I mean, I had days, not weeks. Yeah. And I got in touch with Carla at your team. She was great. She even helped me fill out the paperwork because it was just overwhelming. But then- as I was talking with her, she was talking about part of the process was someone actually walking my passport over to an embassy yeah. or an office or something. And I guess given COVID and, you know, listeners, we're recording here in early May of 2022, just to give you context. So given COVID, how has that changed when someone has an emergency? Is it you know, is it still something somebody can get things taken care of in days or is it like, no, it, emergencies are unfortunately longer now? Yeah, you can. But the, the availability, we actually operate on a quota system. So long, long ago, I went and was essentially interviewed and vetted by the State Department to be allowed to submit applications on behalf of travelers. We wanted to know who I was and, and so on and so forth. So we were an accredited third party that uh, is officially recognized and allowed, given permission to work with the State Department to intervene on travelers' behalves. So we have a certain number of, of applications we can submit on a daily basis. It used to be far more than it is right now, but with the staffing levels of the State Department being so low, they've, they've limited it. The quota system that is in place now will allow us to do X a day. And it's not just us, it's everybody across the industry. So we can still help people in as little as 24 hours it's just that the availability is not as great as what it is. So we've, we've gone to a scheduling system and we, we're making reservations, which is the, the, the only way to really kind of manage the whole thing. 
do call in and make a reservation. And based on what your date of departure is, we can find a way to actually get your passport to you so you can still make your international departure on time. As long as there's enough slots open. But if those slots are all taken by other travelers that have those same departure dates, then you're out of luck, which goes back to everybody's homework. After today, go look at your passport. If you are within a year or coming up on a year, let's get it renewed right now. Yeah, it's it's super, super crucial. And, and you know, Tommy, obviously, you know, I'll say it again. I mean, you know, we can assist only so many. We turn away people all of the time because we just don't have the availability to do it. So the sooner you can take a look and make sure you, you've got what you need. If you don't, we... Hey. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> so what's your dog's name? Makai. He's the Hawaiian name. It means uh, toward, oh, yes. towards the sea. <laughs> well, we're going to keep some of Makai in All here. Right. <laughs> I mean, we might as well, man. He's he's part of the family. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a half, half pit bull, half lab from what I can tell. We've got him during COVID, so I've got the bull. He's, we call him Bully. That's his nickname, but he's Makai. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, all of our listeners are used to the work from home during the pandemic era. So, you know, babies crying, dogs barking. It's just part of a more acceptable way of life these days. Yeah, for sure. I remember being on Zoom meetings early on and just being freaked out about what's going on in the background and the noise. And it's just like, it's all right. <laughs> Everybody gets it, right? Like, I'm not even wearing pants now. That's you right. Know. <laughs> That's the- <laughs> too much information <laughs> so rich you know just for our listeners we have a lot of listeners that are founders and they're running companies and you know you started you started a long time ago mm-hmm. i'd love to hear your kind of your highest high as a business owner and and maybe your lowest low your most difficult time as a business owner tell us about both of those if you would yeah sure that's actually easy my highest high we haven't done it in a couple of years, but it's always, it's every year. It's when I can get the staff together during the holidays and I can actually acknowledge and let them know how grateful and how appreciative I am of them. I mean, without them, I don't have anything and they've been great. We've been able to retain people for years. It's a one big ohana and a much aloha and it is. That's that's always the highest high. And how big is your team? Well, I'll get to the lowest low in a minute, but we are right now, we've got two offices and we've got a staff of, it kind of fluctuate based on what the need is, but somewhere between 10 and 15 employees at the moment. So the lowest low was March of 2020 when literally, Tommy, within like 24 hours, I had to let go 75% of my staff because there was just no, the world shut down. And I furloughed them basically because I wanted to bring them all back. And this is before anybody even had any notions of, of, you know, payroll protection act or how anybody was going to respond to this or whatever. But, you know, I had hope. I was also thinking, all right, well, maybe, you know, like SARS, this will be a couple months and everybody will be right back to work. And, you know, but it unfolded the way it unfolded. And we've been able to bring some people back because, you know, the travel industry is slowly coming back way slower than I would, I would have liked. But that was, uh, that was a low point. That was tough, emotionally tough. And because I, I care about those people and I wanted, I, I desperately wanted to, it to work out and I actually probably overextended and kept staff together maybe a little longer than I should have, but, you know, in terms of, you know, financial decisions and, but it was certainly worth the risk at the time. And I don't, I don't regret it at all, but that was, that was the biggest low. I, 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 uh, yeah, we still try and keep in touch. I, I've got hope that, that, uh, when travel does, open back up fully like it did, that the pent-up demand for people just wanting to just get out and go 
will be so great that I can bring everybody back. But that was the lowest low. But there's a possibility there of actually turning that ship around. I'm, I'm super hopeful and uh, keeping my fingers crossed. Well, man, I can tell you, you care about your people. And that's, uh, you know, those are the kind of businesses we like here at Mammoth. Right uh, really important, man. And, you know, that takes me to a question also. I know different countries have different policies as it relates to vaccination status. Mm. So how have you helped? Is that part of what you help travelers navigate on the visa side? And it seems like those rules are changing all the time. How has that impacted things for your company as well? Yeah, that's a great question. It's sort of hard to answer. It's mostly because, as you said, it's day to day. You know, Bangladesh, they might have this view of vaccination today and tomorrow might change and then it might go back. And and you almost don't know until you actually get in front of the consular officer and submit the application and and see what they're going to ask for and what what they what they won't. But it seems like it's plateauing now because I think most people are sort of either vaccinated, number one, or resigned to the fact that the virus is here. And we've got strategies now to mitigate you know, the surge or the outbreak of the disease and a lot of more awareness than we had before and experience actually as to what the virus is all about. So we try to keep up on it as much as possible. I, I was toying with the idea of actually trying to keep a database to share with people and we started it, but it became too complicated and it became just almost too much. I mean, there are 120, 140 countries in the, in the world that, that people travel to, and it's really difficult to keep on top of that. But we do as best we can. It'd be a full-time job. 100%. And as soon as you had the information, it's outdated. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's yeah. constant. And we have a great relationship with the embassies and consulates, so we can call and ask. So we're not incapable of finding out. It's just you know having that, re- that information available has become really difficult. But it seems like most things are sort of relaxing. But one interesting note for you is if countries operate on the basis of reciprocity, so if country X asks for citizens of country Y to submit certain documents and pay a certain fee, then the reverse is always true. So whatever, say, China will require of a US citizen will require of a Chinese citizen to come here. And so you can kind of look and see where things are right there. And and that obviously has, you know, there are a lot of politics in that too, as you could imagine. So that's also an ever-changing landscape. But we do a great job of staying as up to date as we possibly can on that stuff, even with COVID being as fluid a situation as this has been. Absolutely. Well, gosh, Rich, your business is just such a niche and it's such an important niche. Love the work that your business does. Right on. And we now get to move into my favorite segment of the show where I get to ask you two questions. So the first is the question that everybody wants to know. And what it really is, is the question I want to know. And then the second is the question that everybody actually wants to know. So my question for you today, you know, you mentioned it, you were talking about hitchhiking from (laughs) the East Coast all the way over to LA. Yes, I'm going there. And you said, you know, that'd be a podcast episode in itself. So I'm sure we don't have time for the entire hitchhiking story. And again, listeners, we're not recommending that you go do this. But it was very common at the time that Rich was doing it. What's the craziest story that you have from your hitchhiking adventure from East Coast to West Coast? Oh, man. <laughs> the craziest story. Do you remember Lorena Bobbitt? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, my buddy and Ray and I were probably five miles from where that was actually going down on the, on the side of Route 66. I think it had been Nassus in Virginia. So <laughs> I, we had nothing to do with it, obviously, but I, in terms of like location and when that was all going down, like I feel like we were almost at the scene of the crime. <laughs> right then it was happening, yeah, yeah. like right down the road from yeah, you. Yeah. I, I realized that, you know, weeks later after I was actually able to read a newspaper, <laughs> that we were right there at that, almost at that very moment. That was pretty wild, but yeah, most of the stories are that changed the sleeping pattern <laughs> for males all uh, over hundred percent the country. hundred percent that changed the sleeping pattern for men all over the world just <laughs> overnight. Oh man, too funny. Yeah, there are a lot of stories. I don't know if they're for this podcast, though. but that's probably that's probably the most interesting one. I, I should say it was interesting. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Never know what I'm going to learn, man. This is great. Well, taking us to our last question, our much more important question. I am sure as some of our listeners go look at their passports, they are going to see, uh-oh, this thing expires in less than a year. Hopefully, none of them are going to run into a family emergency the way that I did, but you never know. If they want to get in touch with your business, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, for sure. I would direct you to www.passportvisasplural.express.com. And you can also reach us. There's a live chat feature on the website, which is great. We've got people that are available you know, all day long to help you out and ask questions uh, or toll free 888-596-6028. And if you do get in touch with us, Mention the word hang 10. I, I'd, I'd love to hear that you guys came through us and found us through the show. So I can relay that back to Tommy. That would, that'd be, be super cool. I'd be, uh, as we say in Hawaii, I'd be super stoked <laughs> if that happened. <laughs> That's great. That's great, man. And if you listeners, if you end up talking to my friend Carla, please tell her that Tommy says hello. That would just make my day. So Rich, you've been Awesome, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Again, it's got to be a little nerve wracking. Some random guy you've never met. It's like, hey, come on my show. And uh, and you just been tremendous. And I, I'm just, I'm such a huge fan of what your company does. I hope our listeners will get a lot out of this as they're trying to figure out how to get back to international travel and that they can do it without having any last minute emergencies the way that we ran into. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, right on. Well, thank you, man. I knew when we first spoke, I could tell you were very genuine, sincere and and a warm person. You made it super easy. So I appreciate that. I'm thankful that you invited us out here to talk and, and we get to know each other a little bit better. So aloha. Aloha. And listeners, aloha to you as well. We can't do this show without you. So I'm just uh, continuing to be blown away by your generosity to listen in every week. Really appreciate it if you are enjoying the show. If you hit that five-star review button and share with some of your friends and colleagues, especially if you know people that are traveling internationally, let's make sure that they know about Rich's company because inevitably people do run into emergencies. And I can tell you firsthand, there's nowhere else I'd want to be talking to if an emergency came up. So thanks to all of you listeners. Thanks to Rich. And we'll see you next week right back here on Beyond the Ordinary. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc.